Welcome back, loves. Thank you for tuning in or streaming or downloading Blooming Out on WFHB 91.3 FM in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm Melanie Davis. We have too much to cover in one week, so this is going to be a two-part show. And we have a full slate of guests. If you would introduce yourselves. Well, I'm Justin Robertson. I'm the co-host with Melanie Davis of uh, Blooming Out, and I go by he and him. So thank you all for coming on the show. It's really great. It's really exciting to have uh, people again. <laughs> I've missed having guests, and I wish that we were all in the studio together. Amen. But that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kit Malone. I use she, hers pronouns. I'm a political advocacy strategist at the ACLU of Indiana. Fabulous. I'm Deb Pardue. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist who does a lot of mental health work with um, transgender clients. And I'm a PhD candidate who did a lot of research to write a dissertation on transgender mental health training policies for mental health clinicians to help better their um, ability to provide good mental health. Um, Although I'm not finishing that dissertation, I decided to stop to focus on keeping my practice open um, because if I finish the dissertation, I have to close down, which then um, we don't have a lot of great people who are aware in Indiana. And so I didn't want to take away that resource from people. Wonderful. Jean Jean Smith, she, her, uh, they, them. Uh, bike shop owner, Bike Smiths, uh, longtime sponsor at WFHB, uh, president of Stonewall Democrats, South Central Indiana, member of the Indiana uh, Gender Equality Movement, and uh, all-around person that's really old. Oh, you're not the Queen of England yet, so you're good. Um, Nathaniel Clawson. I'm the parent of a nine-year-old amazing transgender girl. I am also the treasurer for Spencer Pride, and I work for Boston Scientific over in Spencer, and I'm a project manager. Wonderful. Yay! Thank you for coming. Welcome, everybody. It's really exciting to have you on the show. Good to be here. I'm really excited, and you know, I hope that we get a lot of good information out there for people here today. I hope so, too. Uh, we had a bit of a busy Monday, uh, some of us, at the State House, and I think uh, it's really important that we end up talking about that for our listening public, not just for their edification, but also as a, a call to action to get people to understand how things are decided in the state and what we need to do to be responsible citizens to ensure equality for all of our citizenry. So, Kit, I'm going to put you on the spot because you are the person steeped in all of this. So what happened Monday? Steeped is the right word. Just steeping like, like a good, like lukewarm soup, like a nice, like <laughs> lukewarm day old chicken soup is how I would describe the IGA right now. As you mentioned, we were out at the state house Monday, um, making our voices heard at the, the hearing on H- HB 1041, which would ban transgender athletes from participating in school sports according to their correct gender just as a little bit of perspective that was a committee hearing the way that bill the bill process works in indiana is that you know bills are authored and every bill that is um that is authored and submitted by lawmakers is assigned to a committee um by the uh by the in the house that that would fall to the speaker of the house todd houston who who assigns those bills to a committee the committee chair then looks through those assigned bills, makes a decision about which bills are going to get a hearing in that committee. Here's the bills through a number of readings, um, takes testimony, passes those bills out to get a vote in the full chamber of the House. So like a small committee hearing, then we vote on the whole language in the House. 
by the way, like that will probably be happening tomorrow where this, this, this transgender sportsman that passed out of committee on Monday will probably be getting, uh, you know, a vote in the house tomorrow. And then after that, we go through in next week, actually, we go through a period called crossover crossover is when the bills cross chambers. So we have, you know, the vote on the house once that sports bill passes out of the house, which it certainly will, um, if it is heard, it will go to the Senate. Um, and it goes through the exact same process where it gets, you know, assigned to a, to a, to a committee in the Senate does or does not get a hearing. If it does get a hearing, there's a vote. If it passes out of that committee, it goes to the, to a, to a vote in the full chamber. Um, now if, during that process of moving through the Senate, that bill has changed significantly. Um, then both cham- chambers have to get together and reconcile the bill and decide what the final bill is going to look like. And so that's sort of the, the very brief like footnote version of what this process looks like. And that's complicated enough, let alone, you know, what, what the, the actual path is. It isn't that Schoolhouse Rock song we were talking about earlier. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only No, Melanie, what we often say is that the rule in the Indiana General Assembly is that there are no rules. And it seemed, it certainly seemed like that uh, when we were there that morning. Certain things were carried, certain things were prevented from being carried because there were three members who weren't present due to weather or other engagements. That's fine. Yeah, Representative Smith is on that. I understand. So I will hold it open and give them a chance to vote. Okay, we'll hold it open until the other three, if they get here. Thank you. Um, so I move that we uh, approve this amendment. It's been probably moved in a second. We're not going to take it by consent. Go ahead and call roll, please. Show him excuse, and we'll hold this open as well. The same interest and focus that you do, uh, and do not support the amendment, but we'll be happy to take a roll call if there's no further discussion. Committee discussion? Sure. All those, all those in favor, <laughs> indicate by saying aye. Aye. Opposed. Same. Uh, opposed. No. 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 Motion fails. Um, with that, are there further amendments? Seeing none. Will of the committee. Move to pass as amended. Second. Then probably moved and second. Go ahead and call roll. Excuse. Uh, we're going to hold this one open. He's excused, or we'll hold it open for him as well. Hold it open for Representative Smith. Seeing no further discussion, go ahead and call roll on the amendment. That Allen. Could you repeat what you just said? All right, Mr. Chairman, how many members of the committee are not present? Three. So I object to taking a vote total at this point. We don't have, we can we, change the result by the absent any, members. Well, you can object, but uh, I well, don't Mr. have Mr. Chairman, any. this is a pretty fundamental democratic point, is it not? We have a snowstorm, we have a bill that appeared just the other day, we have people here who want to debate and hear about it, and we're, we don't have enough people to vote properly, and you're going to just announce that, you know, that this amendment lost. Yes, I am. If we could get two out of three we, of the people who aren't here, we, we, we changed the result. We did so as well in previous amendments, and there was no demonstrable objection to it. So oh, we're Mr. Gonna Chairman, you must be forgetting that I made the point the other day that if we have an overwhelming vote, it doesn't matter if one or two more come in. They can't change the result. This is not that case. Rep- I object to what you're doing here. I appreciate that. Representative Goodridge and Representative Carbar both in the building. There are other committee meetings. And well, they have a right to come up here, as does Representative But we're moving Smith. forward. The bill as amended. 
There were three bills being heard on Monday. And the third one was the bill that we were there for, House Bill 1041. It's just one of those cookie cut. And I say it's just not not to dismiss it, but because it is literally one of many anti-trans bills coming through in the past couple of years through not just Indiana, but tons of other states. I think they all originate in Texas. I mean, or Florida. Those seem to be the two big uh, test states for these think things, tank, right? Think tanks. Think tanks. Okay, so there there are a couple of groups. Was so it the Lavender Parents, Purple Parents? What's the what's the name of the group? Purple for Parents. That's it. They're the main force behind the sort of school censorship bills, like um, one sixty Senate Bill one sixty seven that was recently lofted, um, all the way up to Colbert, um, which. Uh, <laughs> Caused that to, to to die in a fire, um, right. but there's it has a companion bill that is almost identical um, that is that was just voted out of the house um, today. Um, Good. So the purple for parents folks are really really pushing these school censorship bills. Um, the 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 anti trans bills are largely done with the backing of groups like Indiana Family Institute. Those are the lovely people that brought us RIFRA. Um, mm-hmm. Those of you who remember the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Um, the people who were literally like photographed behind our former governor Mike Pence um, as he signed that. Um, these are the same people that are the the folks behind this bill language. They were national partners like the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is I must always footnote a Southern Poverty Law Center designated far right anti LGBTQ hate group mm-hmm. um, to to craft these bill language this bill language and find some poor sucker in the General Assembly to carry it. I wanted to, I wanted to add one other thing too, and that is that might be seem obvious, but on the other hand, it seemed sort of ridiculous that this was the Education Committee. You know, so so you know, it's something for people to keep in mind that this is about the education of youth. Yeah, and the Education Committee gets a lot of these bills, um, particularly in the past year um, or to the past couple of sessions as, as sort of attacks on youth specifically have really become the, the focus of the anti-trans movement. We're seeing, um, you know, really the narrative focusing on youth in schools um, as a place where they can activate sort of the, the, their movable middle um, in terms of getting outrage out there. And that's that's sort of why we continue to see this. Obviously, this bill was was germane to the education committee because it dealt specifically with K-12 and college sports. Now it's been reduced to simply K-12 sports. Um, they've removed um, college, pr- presumably because the NCAA does not want, um, you know, a law restricting their ability to make policy on the issue. They, they just changed their position recently, right? They had been pro-trans inclusion, and now they're kind of like stepping back from being so vociferous in that way and being a little more, um, not maybe- Cowardly? And coward- there you go. Did I say oh, cowardly? You said Dare cowardly. I say politically coward- political cowardice? Yeah. 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 Because not supporting the students- that just seems antithetical to what they're there for. They're there for supporting the students in one way or another. And this way is just taking the, the cheap way out. Well, and I just want to point out that the NCAA recently had a massive flap um, where um, it was exposed the differences in treatment between um, men and women on sports teams, uh, the different resources that women um, received like, you know, far, far um, exceeded 
by the men um, who were able to get incredible resources and meals and training facilities. And the women were sort of stuck with the leftovers. Um, and like, to me, this, this position is such a, is, 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 is extra cowardly because, you know, there's been no real big push to change that inequity. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, you, you know, the idea that the, the trans athletes and the NCAA are the real problem with gender disparity is just ludicrous. Right. Because the issues that get brought up now in conservative media, which are based around, you know, the, and I, I, Content warning, folks. I really want to put this out there. There are going to be, there's going to be language that you're going to hear on this show, on this episode, especially dehumanizing uh, language that really is horrific to many of us and self-included. It was hard listening to the testimony and, and even the presentation of the bill, just as it was from Ms. Davis, no relation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it's really nasty. They use the terms biological male and biological female, which they're not real terms. They they have no meaning outside of to mean. My God, I just had a brain. It's, a politi- it's a really a political term. It's it's la- it's winning polit- It's winning by use the use of language. I mean, it's right. It's created. They it, who control the language win the war, and uh, I, I'm wondering because. In Jim, we found the website for the Indiana Family Institute that Kit mentioned early. And uh, when we were first looking at it, every single page had reference to transgender kids and athletes and stuff. And and I looked at it again uh, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, and they had wiped all of that stuff from their website. But there's a national group they're associated with and it had it. They had a very slick professional um, publication that was telling pre- parents how to do this stuff. And I'm because I just just as we're talking about this now, I I know I read someplace where they were instructing these people to use the term biological male instead of transgender. Avoid the word transgender, and that may be where I saw it. And we did download their PDF for that. Mm-hmm. Um, brochure, but it no longer is on their page anymore. Um, I don't know for sure that's where I got it, but I know that I read someplace that that's in their, that is in their playbook for how to deal with this issue is to use that term. And, and it basically what the way it was used was to just equate to this is male versus feet, males playing sports. That's what they were saying. Over right. and over and over. They didn't want to get into the weeds with transgender and blocker of hormones or any of that stuff. They just wanted to call us men and leave it at that. I think that the gene is right on uh, with that. That is definitely um, the movement is coalescing around that language. Um, and it makes a lot of sense for them to do it because it's an easier battle for them to fight. Um, but um, I think that we even saw this in some of the cross-questioning in the committee hearing that we all attended. Um, that um, I think that that can that's a that's a double-edged sword um, because it leaves them open. You know, when we had the representative from Idaho who um, was referring to the you know a similar bill that she passed in Idaho to ban transgender students that is in fact 
currently under injunction because the court found that um, the ACLU of, of, of Idaho was likely to succeed on the merits of their case and that the, that the law was likely unconstitutional. She was trying to deftly avoid talking about that. She was trying to deftly avoid talking about whether or not this targeted transgender people and, you know, sort of watching, watching under questioning um, some of our, some of one of our, one of our friendlies in the, on the committee, try to get her to say the word transgender was hilarious and I, you know it opens them up to that tack so i mean that's just something to think about there is that it does seem it makes them look really ridiculous once they are challenged on that um, because they have clearly been coached to not say the word transgender even though they all know that these bills exist specifically to single out transgender people um you know they're not there's not really a serious concern with of the, with quota, even if we accept the term biological male on its face, which is ridiculous, right? Um, you know, there's not a glut of just boys wanting to play on girls' sports teams. We know we're talking about transgender people. So when you name it, you know, it's just that's an, I think just naming it and getting the people who are friendly to the cause and committees and, you know, where, where this is debated in public to name that directly really works for us. The language I was trying to find was assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth. Those things were were just written out. But a couple of people who uh, testified tried to bring that back into the the language that was being used, I think, somewhat quixotically, because they have their talking points. This is stuff that's been going on for, what, 30 years now. You know, the language that they use, the language that we use, and that, that argument in between. And I was hearing somebody after I gave my testimony outside of the chamber, she came up to me and she asked if she could talk. You know, she said she was on the other side and that she she wanted to talk about things. And I'll talk more about that interaction later. But she was using the language that they had been using, biological male, biological female. She wasn't presenting. She was just there to support the bill because she believes that biological males should not be on a team with biological females and biological male to her seemed to sound like that's been used against us since time immemorial. You know, it's a John Lithgow's character in the world according to Garp as this very buff, large person who is a former linebacker and is now trying to be, you know, cute and dainty and, and effeminate and, and oh, ha ha ha, what a, what a funny image, you know, obviously othered, obviously different, obviously somebody who's probably not in possession of their full faculties as a joke, as we have been created as on the right side of the aisle and their messaging is working with people. I even had my brother ask over the summer, not specifically for this, but in relation to trans kids. And he started using stuff that he'd heard on Tucker Carlson. You know, messaging works, simplistic messaging works. And my big thing is how do we change that? How do we counter that? Is it through giving more information? Is it through more personal testimonies so that people decouple from the messaging and actually hear the humanity? You know, today when I was at work, someone comes up to me and goes, Hey, I saw you on the news and, but my TV was muted. So what, why were you there? And this, this person is actually has previously been my boss and he, he's a very loving father to, to a, to a young little girl, just like I am. And I was explaining the bill and 
as I was explaining it to him, I was then explaining to him how my daughter is going to have the privilege of not going through a testosterone rich puberty. And with that, she's not going to have any advantages. So if his daughter and my daughter were playing against each other, when they get to high school, there's not going to be any advantages between my daughter's not going to have any advantages over his. And he, that point, I, I saw a little bit of a light bulb go off in his head a little. And he just kind of went, oh, okay. And so I, I think I think there is a lot of room for personal experiences. And so many people think they don't know anyone who's transgender. And it, I think that is one of the things that we're, we have to fight against. You know, I think that is a good question. One of the things that um, I was going to do when I was working on writing my dissertation, um, one of the questions I was going to ask participants is if they know um, of a, if they know a transgender person, whether there's someone in their family or a friend or, you know, an acquaintance or somebody that they know who identifies as trans, because I think having that personal connection helps you to be able to rewrite the scripts, right? That um, those transphobic scripts that exist in our society um, that we grow up hearing, um, and the other piece of it, too, though, I think is we do have to get the facts out because as they were talking about this bill, the question came up, what do we do with intersex children? Uh, Representative Davis, uh, could you talk about how uh, children who are born with an intersex condition would be treated under your bill? Uh, I asked Representative Davis about uh, children with intersex conditions. I don't know if you heard me ask that earlier. but I did. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Because, uh, you know, I think at some point we have to acknowledge that not everyone fits neatly into a male or female box. Can you, can you speak to that? And can you speak to uh, intersex conditions generally, and then any specifics you'd like to share that may have implications for, uh, for this legislation? Have you had experience with uh, children with intersex conditions in your practice? And how would they be affected under this legislation? I do not have children with intersex conditions to my knowledge in my practice as an adolescent medicine physician. They may have chosen to identify as either male or female earlier on in their lives. When they come to me, I don't ask questions about their, the conditions of their birth. Thank you. And nobody really had a good answer of what do we do with intersex children, right? And so I think that we have to get you know, facts out that people are born and people are born to be who they are. And, you know, one of the things that I brought up that I don't think, you know, people still, you know, they don't want to hear sometimes is the fact that um, there's lots of MRI studies that show that trans brains are more similar to the identity, to the gender that they identify as than the gender that they're born as. The different structures of brains are anatomically different between males and females. We've known that for years, but for trans people, a good population or a good portion, over 70% of them, their brain structures are more anatomically correct as a gender they identify as. And brains are developed right before genitals. Brains are developed before genitals. And so sometimes things don't align and, and it's, not a, it's not a process that happens at the same time. And so things don't always get aligned in that piece of it. And then there's also research that shows, right, um, chromosomal um, different, like differences for trans people who go on to develop cancers, right. Later on in life from HRT and stuff, um, 
I believe the number, you know, don't quote me, but if you don't, the, the number is I 78% of trans individuals who get cancers later in life are XXY chromosome. And so, you know, genetically they are intersex people, but it's just, there's only one set of genitals that are, that we're looking at, right? We're using genitals to identify gender identity instead of um, person's experience. And what we know from Dr. Um, is it Dr. Green from the 1958 or 1960 when they were doing the surgeries on children who were born intersex, when he says it's easier to dig a hole than build a pole, but over oh half God. of those children that they did the surgeries for, that is his quote. Like that is an mm-hmm. honest quote. I, I have the article, I, I read it. So that is, that is oh, I know. actual quote. All right. So, you know, over half of them ended up suicidal or committing suicide because their gender identity and their body didn't align. And that's when um, they were saying that it's how we raise your children. So it's nurture versus nature. And what we really found out in that experiment that they did, and they actually banned surgeries from happening once we have that data, right, is that it is nature. It's not nurture. And so they stopped. And then, you know, as Nathaniel was talking about, um, about this generation of trans adolescents who are, you know, not going to go through puberty of the gender that they're identified as. The sad part is, is we're not going to have the research that shows there's no physical advantages of that for another 10 plus years, because we have to wait for that population of, of trans people, right, to go through this process so that we can collect that. We don't have that. Data. So, I mean, this is all really well taken. There's a point I want to make here. This is all, this is really well taken um, and true. The problem that I have, both as a trans person experiencing this conversation and as an advocate, is that what I don't want to send, a message that I do not want to send to the public or to lawmakers, is that there is an acceptable compromise, that there is a way that we can write this bill to make room for, um, you know, certain groups of people to have a path to compete. Um and not others, or that it maybe it is more fair to allow a girl who has had, um, you know, hormone access to, to puberty blockers at a young age, and then to ban everyone else or to have, a, you know, um, you know, someone who has an intersex condition has an exception, but, you know, someone who cannot be shown to have an intersex condition, which is, a, is a condition that we, that, 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 that is, we do have, there's a lot of scientific questions about that. Um, I don't want to send a message to the public that like, well, okay, well, we'll make exceptions for them. But like, if you're a 15 year old trans kid um, who is who's living in poverty and going to, to an impoverished school system and don't, don't, you don't, you don't have access to, to affirming care that is okay for us to ban you from school sports. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I, I definitely like not. Can I say something too, along the same line? Cause I love your kids and I love you guys. Um, but I do want to say that as long as we have systemic transphobia and we don't, um, re- you know, if we don't love our successful trans athletes, if we don't love transgender people as society, there are always going to be kids who are in the closet until they're 50 years old like I was. Um, and so... You know, we can't say that people are going that this next generation is all going to be on blockers. You know that yeah. people have waited sixty-five years, seventy years to come out of the closet, and and you know, and some people don't know. Other people live in fear their whole life. You know, and so so this is about you know, it's about 
our hatred of trans people. And I think we have a much stronger argument when we say California has allowed any person to play on whichever team they think is appropriate for eight years, and there's no problem. The Olympics has said that transgender people can play sports for eight years. There's been no no gold medal, no silver medal, no bronze medal, and hardly any players, period, trans who have ever made their Olympic team. The NCAA has allowed transgender people to play that many years, and there have been no national records, no world records. Well, they're not going to be worlds for NCAA. Um, We've had very little impact, certainly no more impact than we are the percentage of the population. And I don't, I, I relish the day that we do dominate a sport, you know, and, and, and we you, need to get people to wear that. Yeah. And I want to just, just also say that, like, I think a lot of that, what Gina said is really well taken and just, just mm-hmm. to get personal, sis, I get tired of when I see one of my sisters excel of having to hold on to my seat and not being able to love and and like celebrate that but instead being worried about what next what the next element of the parade of horrors that are going to come out in response to that um you know and 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 so i do think the core of this the very core of it goes beyond science it goes beyond um, how we talk about the, you know, how we talk about what language we use and goes like straight right down to just an absolute fear of trans women, um, just our absolute social fear of trans women and our inability to celebrate us. Amen. Um, one and, of the, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Well, and I completely agree with everything you both said i think after sitting in that room on monday and feeling beat over the head with that the horrible data of them going through and talking about um biological males, biological males. That is the only reason that I think that's the only reason that I bring up that even little bit of data of talking about my daughter. And in no way do I believe that when I say my daughter will have the privilege, I, I own every bit of that word privilege. And it's something that I really, I I don't, I don't want it to be, I get to your point. I don't want there to be places where I don't want there to be people called out that can't participate in any way, shape, or form. I want to say 100% agree with what you're saying, Nathaniel. But I, I, th- I like 100%. Nobody should not get to play sports because of their their gender identity. That is not all um, acceptable. But I think the piece about 
data and research comes back to that lady that talked with Melanie from the other side that said they gave you data, they gave us data and you guys gave us feelings. And we definitely are on that platform of humanity. Don't be, you know, freaking assholes. Like, let's just love people and let people be people. Um, but again, they, they want some data. They, they want some data. And while I hate it, right, our whole, our whole, our whole healthcare system and our whole, like how we treat people is, is off of data. It's off of data and fear and how they've used data to create fear. And so we need to use data on some level to start changing the discourse. It, it doesn't, you can't always see gender identity. It's not something that you can look between somebody's legs and say, yes, it's there because it's more natural and innate in us and you can't always see it. I, you know, in my practice, I met somebody under the age of, of 16, way under the age of 16. I don't want to say their age, you know, for whatever reason, five foot 11 trans girl under the age of 16. And they want to play high school basketball. And we were talking, we're sitting in this room and talking about the advantage. Right. And it's like, holy crap, this is going to be a, a tall girl. And then I'm, I'm like fearful like I'm fearful of how this little child is going to be talked to or be denied the access to be able to play basketball uh, when they enter high school because of the fact that they're trans. And they can say, you're too tall. You're too tall for all these other freshman girls to play basketball with, right? And so I don't want to leave anybody out. But I think back to that lady, like you had said, they gave us facts and data, you guys gave us feelings. And we, we got to be able to support the feelings with some facts to be able to get them um, to understand that you can't just look between somebody's legs and look for a penis and a vagina. It's not how, it's just not that simple. And, um, and yeah, can, can I just, can I just respond to that as someone who prepped yeah. a lot of that? Um, yeah. yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, what I would say to you is that I've been working in this general assembly for about six years on some of the most insoluble issues of our day. And I have not seen um, an example in which bringing facts and data um, to opposite to, com to committed opposition on this issue has really moved anybody um, where, but I, but I have seen um, the power of emotional storytelling. Um, and, you know, that is sort of, that is what we've been able to bring for a long time. And what we are seeing moves our movable middle um, to a degree that um, facts and data, the problem, the problem that I see with facts and data, and I do have access to the studies um, that we have um, on the issue. The problem that we have is that camps, that this issue is strongly divided into camps and camps tend to believe the fact that they bring. Um, so they tend to believe the, the people that they see as coded as their message bearers, even if they sort of may express verbally that they are open to a debate that they want to hear science and facts. The, our experience is that it just bounces off sort of the other side's movable middle. Um, and it, it's still sort of my opinion that our strongest um, path through this is to really bring up fairness, empathy, and to talk about the fact that the 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 young people have a right to an equal education, um, and you know, fortunately for us, that's a right that uh, the, the the federal courts are recognizing. Right. Um, there are many different venues that we're existing in, and that we're presenting information, and in, and that we're we're talking to people in. There's the legislative arena, and then there's the, the public opinion arena. And I think there are different approaches for different types of people in those different areas. So maybe we have to have a multi-pronged approach to reach different people in different areas. Um, 
and to let them know because I've spoken with people and just based on that one-on-one contact, they've changed their opinion uh, that they held because they didn't know that they knew trans people or they didn't realize that trans people are actually not, you know, six-headed monsters who steal children and, uh, and puppies. Then there are the people who want the data. They want the facts. They're, they're very fact-based. And they're individuals, you know, they're not necessarily the lawmakers. They're just people out here in society who they hear pseudoscience that sounds good. But the biggest issue here is that powerlifting is a very objective measure of strength, right? So it's a surrogate um, for essentially all sports to measure the difference between male and female because it's very simple movements that are just barbells moving through space and up and down lines. And so from our data that we analyzed, we found that um, male persons uh, have a 64% advantage when controlling for weight class over a female person. Um, So that's whopping. So that's the difference between a 600-pound-plus squat and a 400-pound squat. Um, Also from our data, we found that a female individual on steroids has a roughly 10% advantage over a female that is not on steroids. And what we found was also the net, so the um, negative effect of an anti-androgen from transitioning is approximately 10% on strength. Go ahead and click next. And so, and continue to just click through this slide. And so thus, um, we find that, there you go, that's good. So um, thus we find that the net effect of being a trans woman on one's powerlifting total is approximately five-fold that of taking anabolic steroids. And they're not, you know, trained enough in uh, academics to know the difference between some crap that's being presented to them off of One American News as completely BS because it's written in a pseudoscientific sort of way and actual data that's collected in a scientific manner. They just can't differentiate. However, they like to hear that. They like to hear the explanation. And if you present them with something that might counter what they've heard, they might change their views. Now, in the legislature, I don't know because I don't have enough experience there. And I, I defer to Kit on that as far as... Yeah, they don't. The, the legislature is different than the public, but like we're all doing this dance in front of the public. Right. And I think I, I and I think that's what a lot of this is about. I will say that one thing that does help in the argument to move sort of folks who are like maybe near movable, not committed against, but maybe like have questions is validators more than science itself, more than the specifics of the science. Like mm-hmm. hearing that, um, you know, a fact that works very well for us is the fact that every single medical organization across the country and across the globe that is reputable has looked into this issue and has issued statements against it. So like that's, that is the kind of thing that works. Um, yeah. I, I'm concerned that when you drill down to the nuts and the bolts, you open up sort of a, you've got your studies, I've got my studies rabbit hole um, that just keeps people divided into the same camps that they're currently divided into. Well, and one of the nice things I'm able to do, and I think a lot of us are able to do as far as, you know, who are either trans or trans adjacent or trans spawners, I guess, is that how do you like to be called as parents? I'm not sure. We can humanize the issue. And that goes a long way too. And like, 
And I, that's why I presented that, you know, I, I said I'm intersex. I was hoping that that would draw that one representative out who kept asking about intersex issues and then promptly didn't ask me about any, not even that I was the only intersex person in the room, but they weren't really interested in hearing about a true experience. You know, they just wanted to throw that out there as, I don't know what it was, some sort of soft question, I think. But the issue is, it's not about intersex or trans or any of that. It's about people not understanding that there are people out there who don't fit the mold that they've been taught and that they need to open their minds to a more expansive reality of what human gender and sex is. Once you get people, in my experience, once you get people to see that, they do start questioning. And they do start questioning those people who have been throwing lobbing lies their way. Not everybody, but, but some. And some is good. You know, I, I can't stop bringing up the fact that 80% of the people in Indiana, conservatives and, and liberals alike, support full equality for LGBT folk. That's a great step. Not that they're vocal, not that they necessarily will vote along those lines, but at least they say they are. And that's a huge, huge move from when I came out in the mid-90s, right? We're making headway. Our legislators have to catch up. And we're trying, right? We you know, I saw, I saw Gene have a thought there when you brought up the equality thing. And I'm dying to know what it was because I think we're on the same track. I, I'm not sure. I, I, uh, I, I don't think we are. I, I, uh, I'm not sure about the equality, equality thing. So, so but... I, I guess what I would like us to do is actually, I mean, to me, I feel like we needed somebody to stand up there and put up something equivalent to that weightlifter guy's little chart, you know? You can go ahead and click. No, no, back. Go forward. So click. There you go. Just something, like like you say, you know, people don't really, you know, Oh, but okay. So, so one thing that I'm also thinking is that the NGM, when you mentioned how people in Indiana, 80% are, you know, in favor of LGBT rights, I've been saying with NGM all along on this particular in, in, uh, issue of sports, we are going to have to convince some feminists that, that this, there can still be fair sports for women despite the fact that we're going to let transgender women play sports. And, and I do think this is the hardest thing that we, that I've been up against politically um, since I've become transgender political. Um, and I think it's, I think it is a tough issue for us. And I think that that's something so, so, you know, it's, we, we don't, we can't even assume our side of the, the the table are going to necessarily agree with us on this particular issue, um, and and I just had an idea today, and this would be really time consuming, but would be to go through the tape of all their because. Th and the other thing I want to say is we only get two or three minutes, three minutes to say anything, you know. So to go into the details Deb wants to go into, or any of these sorts of things, you know. It really has to be the entire focus of what it is you have to say. And what I'd like to see us do is go through and listen to the, especially the speakers we know are going to come back and create a talking list for the legislators who are on our side 
so that they know how to question them. In other words, put their witnesses, you know, through the test of, you know, how true is what you just said, you know, um, and uh, and that sort of thing. And 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 look at what our what we do have to work with. What what points do we need to make, and how can we make them? Um, and wow. and have speakers that actually do those particular things, you know. So, because um, I feel well, I did go out of it feeling defeated, and I did the the editorial in the Kokomo Tribune today really went after exactly the their experts that I had saw what they were doing that was deceptive, you know, and and that sort of thing. And I really it it reinvigorated me. I mean, I felt defeated until I saw that editorial and I thought just being able to call out those people when, they, you know, and they were the first 10 people, they, they came out there, bang, you know, they had their 10 people who were speaking in favor of the bill before any of us got to speak, you know? Well, anyway. I, I, that, that is unfortunately a place where the norm of that chair, that committee really broke down. Um, and it was clearly evidence that, the chair of Baining had a lot of pressure on him to to ramrod that bill through. Normally, I mean, even during the days of RIFRA, we kept a certain amount of decorum. Uh, this is a place of high decorum, uh, of integrity. About how we lined up testimony, um, because mm -hmm. these are relationships that are at stake, and they just abandoned that for us. You know, they, there were as some. I think Melanie mentioned three committee members absent, and they went ahead. I object to what you're doing here. I appreciate that. Representative Goodridge and Representative Carbar both in the building. There are other committee meetings. And well, they have a right to come up here as does Representative But we're moving Smith. forward. You could see the bill author and the chair literally panicking and rearranging the testimony, you know, calling their friends out at the pro-life rally outside to, like, come in real quick to do some testimony. I was really proud of our testifiers. Um, Nathaniel... Um, I thought you and everyone who, and Melanie and everyone who, who we brought and prepped, like really looked good. And I think that's been shown in the media um, that we got out of this. The media that we've gotten out of this has been very, very favorable to our side, especially considering that we were in fact machine gunned with an initial like, like 10 speakers um, who were clearly lined up to present the pro side of the bill uh, rapidly. Um, and loudly and to kind of wear us down. I was really proud of the way that we conducted ourselves in that hearing. Um, I was also proud of the, the way that we were able to fill that room with rainbow masks and that like, um, just generally speaking, looking at the the way this committee, I mean, this committee was going to vote this bill for it. This yeah. committee was 100. There is not a magic argument that we could have made to this committee to prevent them from voting that bill through. But what we did do was show the public the story that we needed to show them. And that story is the story that, you know, this bill is going to harm children. Um, and I think that continuing to make sure that the public knows that, that this attack, even bringing it forth, um, harms children for no reason is the best thing that we can do. I agree, Gene, that that, um, that uh, Kokomo article was great. Um, I think that one thing that I would also point out is that I have yet to see the, the USA powerlifting um, slides in any in any imagery that I have seen, but I've seen a lot of imagery of all of our wonderful people.
Um, so just want to throw that out there. You know, I wanna, thing I want to uh, say, Melanie, if it's okay, can I say something real quick? Uh, you're on air. You can say it's when, um, when you talked about, you know, the spawners of, you know, um, little trans people, right? Um, the dad that went up there in his um, very professory outfit, you know who I'm talking about? I wanted to go up and I wanted to give him a hug because he... My name is Ken Inskeep. I went to, to a high school in Sullivan County and have lived in Indianapolis my entire adult life. My wife and I have five children, all adults now, the fourth of whom is transgender. Believe me, I know better than many in this room how confusing and disconcerting it is when someone, let alone your own kid, tells you the gender you thought they were is wrong. But by the time my child found the language to straighten us out on who he really was, he was a junior in high school, was already so anxious he could barely function, and so depressed and hopeless that we were scared to death every day might be his last. After he told us, we were like deer in the headlights because we knew hardly anything about it. But the one thing we did know was that we loved our child deeply and unconditionally and that we were going to do whatever it took to help him. It was a long and emotionally challenging journey to educate ourselves, talk with counselors and doctors, explain things to our wider family, navigate school. You have no idea the many challenges and fears you have as a parent of a transgender child. He was an athletic kid, but never a star athlete or anywhere close to one. Remember, 99% of the kids who play sports in Indiana aren't great athletes. They're just kids who want to play sports with their friends. Just like your kids and grandkids, all our son wanted was to be able to participate in the same activities as his friends and peers to fit in and to be accepted. Like any other teen, the last thing he wanted was to be the focus of special attention. One thing I want to be sure you know is the tremendous toll that even proposing, let alone passing legislation like this, has on our family and our child. Whenever Indiana or another state proposes a law treating LGBTQ citizens differently from everyone else, it takes a deep emotional toll, not just on our son, but our entire family. Please, I appeal to you as parents, grandparents, uncles, and aunts, don't make the journey of families with transgender children any harder than it already is by proposing and passing laws like this one. Believe me, it's already challenging enough. Please, please, please don't push our children even one step or closer to the precipice of suicide by telling them they can't participate in school sports like any other kid. Because when we were in the most difficult times, I was pretty sure my son was just one step away from ending his suffering. Happily, we made it through and he survived to adulthood. But you should know, he also moved out of Indiana because he felt the General Assembly had made it clear that even though he was born and raised here, he was not welcome in Indiana. For these reasons, my family and I ask that members of this committee vote no on House Bill 1041. Thank you very much. He got down to it as a transparent, right? Like I hear stories after stories after stories 
about how scared and how worried in in people are because of the suicide rate, right? 41% for, and it's, uh, if you look at the people who've actually done it, it's a lot higher, right? Yeah. Um, But that, but that statistic, right? We almost 50%, we have, we run a 50% risk of losing our babies plus increased rates of depression, anxiety. But if you allow them to be you know, okay. And you allow them to be who they are and you accept them and you allow them to just live life as a person. Those, those rates, depression, anxiety, suicide goes down to, to those rates as their sister and her peers. Right. And then not to mention, you have to start thinking about the locker rooms for PE in high school. You have to start thinking about dating. You have to start thinking about getting your child ready to go off to, to college, because if they go someplace, 32 states in this country still have a trans defense for murder, right? If, oh. if someone is murdered and, and someone's like, well, I didn't know they were trans and then we hooked up and I killed them, that's still a defense in 32 freaking states in this country. And so there's so much fear. And I think for the younger generation of trans people, that privilege Nathan was talking about, right? There, there's the younger, there's the younger population that have the ability to go south at a younger age. And I think parents are afraid to come out and share their stories and share those experiences because they want their kid to be stealth as a form of protection. And I think that's just a new way that, that this is being closeted or people are being closeted because of protection, right? Not, not for fear, you know, that you're not going to be like, not the fear that the same older generation or our trans must have gone through, but it's now for protection or fear of protecting our babies. Deb, I think that's a really, really important point. And I also just to name him, that is my old friend Ken Inskeep, um, the 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 that spoke so eloquently. Um, he's a, he's such a sweetheart and he's been such a dad to our community for so many years. Well, and my testimony was was just support. I mean, it was it was kind of anemic. What I would what I would have said to that body had I had my druthers, uh, would have been probably a lot longer than three minutes and probably a lot less kind, uh, especially after they brought out that horrible, horrible testimony from quote unquote doctors, the urologist from IU who's testifying about, uh, you know, the, the, the differences between males and females. I'm like, okay, well, great. You take care of their urethras, but when it comes to them in sports, what are your qualifications? What is where are you getting your data? What are you talking about? Because really coming across as somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. From I just I just want to throw out that that IU did not send that urologist. Uh, no, no, no. But no. no. has been a great supporter of us. And that I expect that he's hearing something from his boss right now. You have so many people to make happy. And that is <laughs> something that I, I do not envy you. Uh, no, IU did not send them. Obviously, he was cherry picked along with all the other professionals who spoke out and including the trans woman uh, who spoke in favor of this bill. Honorable representatives and committee members. My name is Corinna Cohn. I am a resident of Indianapolis and a constituent within House District 98, represented by Robin Shackelford. I am an independent, and I have voted for principled members of each party. I'm here to speak in support of HB 1041, which aims to strengthen the rights for girls and young women competing in sport. My testimony today is based on my personal opinion as a transsexual. That is, a person who was born male and used pharmaceuticals and plastic surgery to feminize my body so that I appear to be a woman. 
Did anyone else get like good trans girl, evil trans girl vibes when they lined her up against me? Because I did. <laughs> I, in my in my mind, that's how it looked. It it felt invalidating. You know, I think it was very strategic. It was very strategic. Yeah. I enjoyed being quite a bit better than her at that. Oh yeah, no, you totally killed that. Um, but if I was in a state rep, I would have asked her if they if they thought that there was any rule that they could possibly make where she might not be able to beat all the basketball players of her age when she was in, or the rest, you know, whatever sport she wanted to participate in, she didn't look like she could beat any girls team, even in junior high, you know? So, I mean, it's like, you know, that's what I would have asked her. You know, the thing that really struck out to me that I was really thinking, and, you know, you can edit this out if it needs to be edited out. But the thing that I was really thinking is, um, is like, real, like, do you, did, did she not understand that gender identity isn't a, it's not a binary, it can be a continuum, and there can be people who identify more one way or another, even though they fall on the right or the left of the needle, right? And so just because her experience as a trans woman is her experience doesn't mean that's every trans woman's freaking experience. Right. Right? Well, this and so is, that just really pissed me off. This is someone who we call in the community a transmedicalist. Uh-huh. Um, and she does not believe that there is a such, such thing as being transgender. Um, and that what she is, is uh, some kind of medical fetishist who wants to look like a woman, but is really a man. And she just kind of like, like the amount of self-hate in that. And also the amount of, um, like, I feel sad about it. I, I, I thought about it the whole time. And I'm like, I feel really sad about this because oh, it, it hurts. This girl, they're never going to love you. Right. And she was the only one, you know, the only trans person that I've ever heard use transsexual in the way that she used it. And I'm like, we haven't used that term in the mental health field for a while. And so it's like, what? And it was what, 2014, 2013? The DSM was revised. Um, uh, sorry, I'm pulling out my DSM to see when it was done. The DSM-5, I think, came out in 2013 or 2014. Um, and that's where we switched the, the language from gender identity disorder to gender dysphoria, right? right? And so it's not identifying as a different gender isn't a mental health condition. It's the, it's the, um, it's the um, emotional distress that a transgender person experiences from being misaligned in their body now is the is the thing that we're treating not the fact that somebody identifies as a different gender well, right? and that's are we can we lean into this because i don't totally edit this out like we could can we lean into this for a second but we'll have to tune in next week for part two because we are out of time thanks for joining us Blooming Out is a production of WFHB Community Radio and produced by Melanie Davis and Cade Young. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. I'm Melanie Davis. And remember, if everything were straight, who would they hate? Be well, stay safe, speak truth, manifest equity, demand justice, stop the hate, wear your masks, get your boosters, and good night from your Blooming Out family. Good night. Yes, I'm only a bill. 